Hi, welcome to Midlife Madness. I'm Leslie Neese, and that is my sister Marie right there next to me. And uh, this is a podcast about midlife, but it's also about just life in general. So if you're not in midlife, don't go anywhere. We don't want you to go anywhere. We still have some pretty good information for you. And, uh, you know, this is a podcast where it's kind of a safe place for you here on the internet, which is very rare <laughs> these days, it seems. Um, it's a place where you can go and you know we're not going to talk about politics. We're not going to talk about anything that's going to make you feel cruddy about yourself right now, because I feel like we're all kind of feeling that way right now. So no judgment is going to be passed, um, maybe between each of us, but we'll do that alone. <laughs> we won't do that to you. And uh, and it's just a safe place. We just want you to hang out with us for a little bit. We're going to talk about stuff. Uh, and, and we're just really excited that... Um, yeah, you know, we just had some fun topics lately, and yeah. I've really enjoyed. Good morning, Nancy. Good well, afternoon, Beverly. Oh, she's in the Eastern Standard. Yes, yes. And I need to apologize because normally we do this like two hours later. Yeah. Uh, but I have something going on around the one o'clock hour central yeah. time, and so I had to do it earlier. So yeah, I, no big deal. Which is like for me. We like to confuse you. Well, and I couldn't wait to talk to you. So you know. <laughs> Kathy, oh, she, she's so good. She's on oh, her treadmill. Yay. Hi, Kathy. Aw, miss you too, Kathy. Glad you're here today. I tell you, we're really excited because today is a, a big topic, a really big topic. And um, oh, good morning, Lori. Look, we're just saying hi we to everybody. Our regulars. Our regulars are here hanging what? out with us. It's like we're <laughs> back in high school hanging out with our buds. Nancy oh. wants to know how my move is. It's still going, hon. We don't even get our furniture moved until the 19th. So we're basically jockeying boxes and things back and forth. It's like an hour and 10 minutes away. So it's going to be a long, drawn out process. It'll be lovely. I'm going to be in such a good mood. So anyway, it's going well, though. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, so uh, just a reminder, you know, when you're hanging out with us, we just want you to be real. We want you to to know that that's what we're about. We're not about pretense. Everything that we talk about is just real life stuff. And, um, you know, we just, we want to be your friend. We want to hang out with you. And we're really glad that you're here today. There it is. Friends. There we go. Look at that. I had, I have one that says, how you doing with Joey, the little t-shirt. I was like, oh, that'd be fun to wear. Um, but we always start every podcast out with, I can't believe she said that out loud, which is like a really fun little segment where we get to, you know, humiliate ourselves and talk about things that are embarrassing. And I, I don't know if my story today is so much embarrassing as much as it, it just made me laugh. Like I had this dream the other day and, um, uh, and it was about my sister and her family, her entire family. They were up on this platform and everybody was celebrating and I was watching them on TV and they had their hands in the air and they had done something, you know, and they were like celebrating. And in order to celebrate and make money for this cause, they, they decided to do a 500 meter swim. <laughs> and they were all in their clothes. Like Bob, her husband was like in jeans. Everybody was wearing, and Marie was in this, I don't know why I remember this so vividly, a khaki pencil skirt and like a cute little blouse that like was tucked in and it had like pink and brown polka dots on it. I was like, oh, she looks so cute. And then all of a sudden they like dive into this pool. And Marie isn't much of a swimmer, okay? <laughs> she was just at my house and I have a pool in my back. I was trying to teach her how to swim because I'm scared. Like if she ever, and I don't know if it, was it from swim lessons when we were kids? Is that why you're terrified of swimming? No, I no, but I'll talk about it in my. Oh, and you're okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So anyway, she was swimming and I know that she can't swim. But when we were kids, Marie, she would never swim like up above the water, but she could always go underwater for a long time. And in my dream, that's what she was doing. She was doing a 500 meter swim all underwater. And she gets like, she's looking like a mermaid, like flopping in the water, you know, underwater. And I'm like seeing this blur of in a pencil skirt. In a in pencil a skirt. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> and so anyway, so she's doing this. And okay, wait, wait, pause. Diana said, Good morning, gals. Make us laugh today, please. You got it, girl. You two are informative and full of giggles. That is true. We are definitely full of giggles. I'm glad that you find us informative too, because that's that's important. You can't just be full of giggles, can you? I guess you could. Sometimes. It wouldn't be, yeah. Anyway, it wouldn't be life-changing. <laughs> anyway, so she's like this blur. And all of a sudden, like it, I panicked because she was underwater for so long and everybody else was swimming in their clothes. And 
And I panicked and I started yelling, somebody help her. She can't breathe. It's been too long. And then I woke up and I just started cracking up. And I was like, I cannot wait to tell her in the morning that I just had this dream. So I did. I told her. I've been taking this new melatonin and I think it's extra strength or something. It gives me the weirdest dreams. <laughs> They're so vivid. Oh, like even color. Do you even dream in color? Is that a thing? I have no idea. Oh, anyway. I have no idea. But um, so for Maya, I can't believe she said that out loud. I'm going to talk about my lack of swimming. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that I brought that up. That was like, I just threw you out there, didn't I? To well, the wolves. It's, it's interesting because... I love the water. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. When I go to the ocean, I stand there and I get tears in my eyes. I'm so overcome by emotion when I go to the to the ocean. So it's not fearful tears. Mm, no, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a button here. Okay. And um, I love walking, you know, along the shore, and I can even get into a certain point. But once it like gets above, like my chest, I panic. Mm. So while I um, and so I have such a love of the water. I also have this horrible fear yes. of the water. That's and like, yeah. when we were little, I took, respect. I took beginner swimming lessons every year. Like, and I passed every year, but I was too afraid to move on to the next one. And so I, I moved think, on. Yes. And, and I'd say, can I just take beginners again? And I did. I probably took it three or four times and I passed every <laughs> I remember time. This. Yes. But, but you and, were never at the pool without your sister who would help you. Well, I was I, very codependent. I just have this fear of water and I don't know where it comes from. No one ever threw me in a pool and told me to swim. I mean, it wasn't like that. I've just, it's always been like part of who I am. I, I love and fear the ocean, much like God, you know, yeah, what I was I mean? gonna say, like, when we, we like, talk about fear of God, you yeah. love him and you're enthralled with him, but exactly. it's also very yes. frightening if you think about it. Exactly. And so in a good way. Um, one time Bob and I were in Key West and we were going to go snorkeling and I knew I was scared, but I thought I got to try. I got to yeah. try for him because he really wants to do this. And they, um, they anchored off of this reef and it was very deep. Mm. I did get in the water. I had a life vest on and I just panicked and they wanted us to swim over to the reef no. and I couldn't do it. I, I, I got back on the boat and Bob went alone. <laughs> so, so, wow. yeah, so I do, I have this, it's embarrassing. That's me with heights. Yeah, exactly. I remember heights. being at the space needle with you wow. and you were like, I was like into the wall. I'm like, don't move. <laughs> Nobody breathe. We're going to yeah. tip over. It feels to me when I'm in heights that everything is going like this, like I'm about to fall. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, please tell me I'm not the only one who does this. What if I jumped? What if I couldn't help myself and I just jumped over this thing? What? How do I stop myself from doing? I'm so weird, y'all. I'm, I'm crazy weird. You're weird. You've yeah. never thought that? Like, what if I fell over or jumped over or am I the only one? Wait, somebody no. needs to comment and say you've had that thought. I need to know I, that I'm not the only one. I know I've heard other people say it. Okay. Yeah. Does that mean I'm crazy? Does it mean it's not that? It's it's just an intrusive thought. That's what they're called. Oh, okay. So that's that's cool. All right. Nobody's <laughs> commenting. So, sorry. so I'm on weird. <laughs> I'm on my own. I, I stay away from heights because I'm afraid I'm going to hurl myself over. It. <laughs> I know I won't, but it's weird. Okay. Anyway, um, today we're going to be talking about something really important. And I think important currently in my life um, and also in my sister's because you've got some change coming up. We're talking about change today because um, I feel like everybody's, we're always in kind of a perpetual change state, it seems. You know what, what I mean? What about COVID-19? I mean, this, yeah. it's like, we don't have any control over that, but we have to deal with that change. Yeah, there's a change. And mm -hmm. some of us are still working from home. Some of us, you know, everything has changed. And, and you know, I right now, currently, the big change for me is that we're moving again. And literally, we just moved a year and a half ago. So I'm having to go through this process again. And I feel like I just got through the first one. Um, but but I, I want to talk about change because I think that it can be really scary. And for Marie and I, it's not that big of a deal, I think, because we we were military brats. We grew up, we moved all the time. And it was um it was just kind of part of our lives. And and almost kind of we looked forward to it a little bit. Well yeah, I think we I craved change. Yeah. For a long time. But unlike you, I don't move all the time. And um, so, I mean, I've lived in Minnesota for 31 years. Yeah, you've lived there for a long time. Years. And to yeah. me, that like 
blows my mind. Marie yeah. saved things from high school. She saves articles of clothing, pictures, things. I'm like, I don't save anything. But I'm married to a guy who, when I went on Survivor and I came back, he gave most of my things away to like Goodwill. I'm not kidding. <laughs> things that he knew that I wasn't using. And I was so mad at him. So I went to Goodwill and I like started buying stuff back. And he was so <laughs> mad at me. Oh my goodness. So yeah, change for me is, is, is pretty, I don't really mind it so much, but uh, Nancy says, Marie, you sound like me when I was young, someone pushed me off a dock. Oh, Nancy. And I would have drowned if Diana didn't save me. I feel more comfortable doing the back float. I have a fear of heights also. Girl, she yep. gets both of us. Yeah, she does. <laughs> That's hard stuff. Yeah. When you're forced into that, like we have a golden retriever who's afraid of water mm. and um, that's weird, but it's mm. because my husband was like, Oh, he's a golden retriever. He was probably a teenage pup and he just felt he threw him in the water and now he won't go near it. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I'm like, Oh, I mean, it's yeah. not funny. It's really kind of sad, but yeah, I could go off on a tangent right now about how he tried to get in to save Eloise though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Max is like, I don't know how to swim, but I'm about to get that, that kid out of there. Um, anyway. So yeah, change can be tough. And so we want to kind of talk about it because there are steps that you can take and things that you can be sort of aware of. I want to recommend if you have a chance to grab a pen and a piece of paper, um, maybe take some notes because this is good stuff. Marie, Marie is She's the researcher and she came up with some really, really good stuff. But we also have some application things for you. And um, I think you'll find it really helpful. But anyway, um, change can be hard and it can also be great. Yeah. But um, but regardless of whether it's good change or bad change, we can have this sense of loss. It's almost mm. like a grief of um, the things that are different now. And so even the good change, a new job, right? You've got mm. this great new job but you have, you've lost this, these old coworkers or it, there's all these different things that um, you don't have now because you made this decision. Mm. And so we often go through like the, the five stages of grief. Mm. And I think there's six or six stages and seven stages. Some people talk about, but we're going to stick with five. But, um, but you know, what about like Leslie, a new home, a new yeah. city, a new state. All of this was very exciting, but we're going to talk about how, even though it was a good change, she kind of went through those five I stages. I went through some stuff. Yeah. And can I just add really quick, like the stages that I went through, it wasn't like I said, I'm going to go through the stages of grief. I literally right. just organically went through these stages without realizing it. And as I was reading through these notes and thinking about it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. It's like yeah. somebody got in my brain and said, how are you going to handle this? Yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I, I put it, it was like, I looked at the list of, of the stages of grief and I'm like, Leslie just did this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you may do it again to some degree when you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, but yeah, it can be a move. It can be a retirement. I mean, who isn't looking forward to retirement, Right. But you can grieve even in retirement. Your kids go off to college. There's the obvious stuff like, you know, an illness or a death in your family mm -hmm. um, or loss of a pet even. I know even when we got a pet, it was, I mean, we went through this process. I almost lost my mind when we got Lily because labs are a lot of work. High <laughs> maintenance. I remember Marie's like, so if I give the dog away, will my husband notice? Right. <laughs> and right. now she loves her. It oh, didn't take now, yeah, now it's awesome. But um, so we're going to talk about the five stages of grief and we're going to use Leslie as an example of how that works. So the first stage of grief is denial. Mm. And that's a common defense mechanism that kicks in when something big happens in our lives, numbing us to our emotions. Yep. This is a coping mechanism. For most people experiencing grief, this stage is a temporary response that carries you through. That um, first wave. That first wave, exactly. Well, and let me tell you something that's crazy about denial. Is it, in me, it shows up as Pollyanna. Like I can only think of the good things. Like mm -hmm. I was so excited to move from South Carolina to Utah. Um, I was focused on the move. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just excited to be living in the mountains. It's what my husband always wanted. So in my mind, it was all about this new house. I wasn't thinking about, you know, the beautiful house that I was leaving that we, it was like our dream home. We put our heart and soul into it. I didn't think about the friends that I was leaving. I didn't think about leaving my daughter Peyton behind in college, um, which was only 40 minutes from where we used to live. And now it's 
thousand, you know, over a thousand miles. Um, it was like the coping mechanism so that my emotions did not overwhelm me. I was actually excited about it and I just needed to be able to stay on task. And if I wouldn't have been in this phase, I don't know that I would have even left. I don't think it's almost like when you say denial, it's like, I can only see the positive right now Mm -hmm. because I had to. Well, yeah. If you look at the negative, then it's like, oh Oh, no, I'm losing this and I'm losing that. So that, so, so yeah. And the the next step is anger. Oh, let's see. Going through Uh that retirement. Oh yes. I was so looking forward to it, but I miss going to work every day and miss my coworkers and kids. Love Mm -hmm. retired, but so different and in another state. Oh yeah. That was Bev. Bev says she's going through retirement grief. Listen, that's a thing. Yeah, I, I think too. In a way, I feel like <laughs> when my kids moved out, I was in, I was forced into retirement from a job that I loved. It was like my dream job my whole life to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And when they moved out, and I was forced into retirement, really mm-hmm. is what it felt like. Um, man, there's an identity crisis that goes with that too, because you kind of put your identity unwilling or unwittingly into what you do instead of who you are. So right. kind of like what we talked about last week. Instead of being human doings, we need to be human beings. It forces you to be a being instead of a doing, and that's hard. So yeah, that's tough, Bev. Thanks for sharing that. Um, The second phase is going to be anger. Yes. And as denial starts to fade, reality sets in. Hmm. And if we aren't ready for that, our emotions can resort to anger and we feel out of control. It may and may direct our anger at people that we love. Um, Hmm. the, The key to overcoming this phase is preparing for it. And then recognizing it when it does happen. Well, and and here's the thing. I didn't really recognize, like I said, I didn't go through these steps like, okay, one, I'm going to be denial and then I'll be angry. Um, It just sort of happened organically. Mm -hmm. I got to Utah and I started to realize that I had to start to build a new life. And it was from scratch. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a church. I didn't have friends. I didn't have anybody to meet for lunch. I, I mean, it was weird. And then my nest got empty. So I didn't even have my kids. I, and then I couldn't find a job. I mean, it was like, boom, 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 all these things. And, and I started to realize what I had given up and I started to get mad. I was mad at my husband. Why would you move me here? I was mad at my kids. Why would you go and grow up? (laughs) What the heck were you thinking? I'm still your mom, right? Um, Yeah, it was tough. That was the hard, it was hard because in, in all honesty, like anger is not one of my, I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. It's one of those things that when it happens, I just want to run away from myself because I don't like myself. So that was a really, really hard. Right. No, yeah. I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is bargaining. Uh, the normal reaction to feelings of helplessness and vulnerability is often to need to regain control through a series of if only or why statements. This is an attempt to bargain. Secretly, mm-hmm. we may make a deal with God in an attempt to cope. Mm-hmm. Guilt. Guilt often accompanies bargaining, start to believe there was something we could have done differently to prevent that situation that we're in. Oh my gosh, this is so true. I know. I began to ask myself, like, why did I even think I could do this? Mm. What, what's the matter with me? What was I thinking? You know, if only Peyton were here and she was in college and she was mad because we had moved, mm-hmm. you know, it's like everybody yeah. was mad. And I just started thinking, how do I, you know, how do I get my kids now to fall in love with Utah? so that they'll move here. So I started, you know, inviting my kids and like making it seem like it was the best place because I was so sad. But, but here's what would happen though, is like a couple years before that, I had heard my daughter, Stephanie say, I I can see myself moving out West. My son had already moved out West. And then my two younger girls who were at home at the time were like, we can't wait to graduate. And then move to New York city or do whatever, like nobody wanted to stay at home. And I was like, I don't want to be in South Carolina and my kids be all over the world. Let's just go where Rod wants to go. And at least it's out West. Maybe we'll live near a couple of our kids. That Mm -hmm. was my process of thinking. Um, And, and to be honest, in a way it's kind of working out because now Kennedy is here. Stephanie is here. Mm -hmm. Peyton's here for the summer. Uh, Tommy's not here, but he's not too far away. We can see him. So it's, I don't know, but it was a bargaining thing and it kind of worked a little bit, but doesn't usually do that. Just so you know. <laughs> okay, the next step or phase is depression. 
Mm. And this is when we need to support, we need that support from our friends and family. A kind word or even a hug can go a long way to help with this phase. For those who live with chronic depression, so it's regardless of the fact that there's a change going on, um, they have to be particularly self-aware so that mm. they don't fall deeper into a depression, which becomes a major illness. So, but um, but for but for those who are more like, you know, situationally depressed. Um, most depression that occurs alongside change is situational. A change has occurred and you've, you're grieving that former life, mm -hmm. your job, your friends, your kids. This is easier to bounce back from, but still needs to be managed appropriately. Yeah. And I recognized um, when it was getting bad for me because I was, I couldn't get out of bed. I was sad. I wasn't doing the things that I loved. I didn't want to do anything. And I remember calling my sister and we would talk for hours and I would just cry. And, you know, she encouraged me to reach out for help, which I did. And um, I think I finally had to just face and confront what I had to give up to come and live in Utah. And I had to deal with it. I had to think about it and be like, okay, I could have stayed in that stage, but that's not me. Mm -mm. I'm the mom. I'm the encourager. I'm the strong woman. And honestly, I've been through situational depression before. And you've helped me through it. And I've even had medication at times, but I, I'm not a chronic depressant, you know, like I'm not always on it, but I am not afraid to take it if I need it to get through something right. because I know it helps. I've seen it help. I mean, help me get through this. Um, and it also like when you, yeah, when you get on and you, and you start to think clearly because really the, the, the wires get crossed, if you will, it's kind it's of a just a chemical, it's a yeah. chemical imbalance that happens in some people. And when that happens, it's really hard to see clearly. And some people, once they see clearly, they can cope. Mm -hmm. And that's the situational. And that's what happened with me. Um, so I'm I'm thankful, though, that I have a sister who is an advocate with NAMI. She she recognized it right away. She goes, okay, mm -mm, no, you need help. <laughs> and, you know, I think I could have stayed in denial for a little longer. Um, but she didn't wouldn't let me. So, yeah, thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, and then the last stage is acceptance. And reaching this stage is not a guarantee, especially when it comes to loss. So like a death. Um, coping with loss is a deeply personal experience and nobody yeah. can help you through it more easily or understand all the emotions that you're going through. You learn to accept the situation or you don't. And that goes back to what you just said. Yeah. It's like you can either stay in depression or you can try to beat that, get, you know, overcome that depression and, yeah. and move forward. Yeah. And, and so I did make it through, not only do I love Utah, but like, we're, we're buying another house in a different area of you. Like we love it here, but it, mm -hmm. it was a very long year and a half process. And, you know, I found ways to maintain my old friendships and, and made plenty of new ones. I've got lots of great friends now. Um, I find ways to see my kids and I just, I'm in love with it. And I still love South Carolina and I miss it. And I think that there's almost like this weird guilt. Like I've, I've, you start to feel guilty leaving what you had. Like it was great. I promise, you know, but um, yeah, it took time, but I, I am on the other side of it. But, but that was a big change in my life. And like all of us, we face these changes mm -hmm. and, um, and it's okay. Like it's part of life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I want to talk about a book that, um, uh, gosh, it was probably 20 years ago when I read this, if 15 to 20 years ago, and it's called Who Moved My Cheese? Hmm. And um, it's written by Dr. Spencer Johnson. And it's really about change. And it's these four mice that are in a maze. And it's a parable about change and how change is what helps you to move forward. And so it's sniff, scurry, hem and haw. And they search, find, lose, and must rediscover their favorite food, cheese, in a large twisting maze. And uh, it's a great book to help you learn how to overcome fear of change, mm -hmm. handling major life changes gracefully, and finding the right path. And so there's some lessons learned mm -hmm. in this book. And I, I highly recommend it. It is a maybe even a one-hour read. Um, oh, if, okay. if, if you're trying, I mean, it's just a great for people with ADD. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a parable. It's not, it, and it works whether it's a personal environment or a business environment. I was going through, um, I was working in pharmaceuticals um, as a sales rep, and mm -hmm. we had just merged with another big company, and everybody got a copy of Who Moved My Cheese. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe five of us read it, but <laughs> yeah, but you were the five that actually coped well with the chain. Exactly. Probably. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about that, but I did read the book. <laughs> um, but uh, so the life lessons change, ha- change happens. So get used to it. Yeah. It's like we can fight it, but it's going to happen anyway. And um, it's good. Like it is, I, I almost feel like it's yeah. a part of life. I mean, it has to happen. Yes. Life can't always stay the same. And if it does, is it really growing? Are we growing if we just stay the right. same? Anticipate change. Look for it. Don't deny it. Mm. Monitor change. Always keep your eyes open to newer developments. Mm. So don't don't move before you know what you're doing. Don't make that change. Adapt to change quickly. Embrace change. Don't fight it. Become the change. And mm. by that, I mean, we can't change anyone else. We can only change ourselves. How many of us what? have tried to do that? I know, right? Is this it's a funny. joke? <laughs> if I put a post on Facebook, won't that change everything? Come on. What do you mean? Well, I change mean, me? I, That's no fun. Yeah. I want to change everybody else. Exactly. And I think about, I mean, I know so many people that married someone and they thought, well, I don't, you know, there's this big issue with this person, but wow, I'm going to marry them and change them. Yeah. yeah. That never works out. How'd that, that work out for you? That does not work out. Um Enjoy change, live life as an adventure, and then be ready to change quickly again, because as Mm. soon as you get through something, something else is going to happen. So testify, girl, I'm in the middle of a move again, and I'll be moving after that, too, because this is a rental that we're moving into so we can build our dream house. Hopefully Mm -hmm. that will be it. But I will never, ever say again, this is where I'm going to live the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. because change happens and you have to be okay with it. And yeah. it's harder. Like it, we told ourselves that we weren't going to move in South Carolina. Like that we were there forever. I know. So I remember so leaving that was leaving that word that we spoke. It was mm-hmm. leaving that, that thought that we had, that that was it. So I'm never doing that again. Right. I, well, I, I just, and I, I my life. I grieve yeah. your home in South oh, Carolina yeah. because it I loved beautiful. going there and yeah, it was it was just a place that I went to, and I grieve not being able to go there anymore. I'm sorry, it's all your fault. I know, but um, it, I, can I read? I want to read you a poem that I wrote once because the, I've always been okay with change. I think the hardest thing for me, though, letting go of was my kids when they moved out, and I wrote a poem. There's a part in it that makes me giggle, which I think you'll find hilarious. But I remember vividly when my daughter, like every step in her life where she changed. So when she went off to college, my very first daughter, I wrote this poem called The Letting Go Test because every big event that happened in her life was a part of letting go to the point where, you know, eventually she moved out. Um, And I wrote this poem. Yeah, I remember bawling my eyes out when I wrote it. Um, But then when I read it, I actually read it on the radio once when I was on the radio. And all my friends who know me were like cracking up at this one point. And, um, and I'll, I'll explain when we get there. Okay. Nine months of growth inside of my womb. And in what seemed like an instant, she was there in the room. My heart was bursting. I could barely compose as I looked over her intently and counted fingers and toes. I barely had time with her when they took her away to bathe her, to weigh her, to make sure she was okay. I handed her to them, but inside I was torn. My first letting go test was just after she was born. The pain in my heart I could not ignore as I realized this test was the first of many more. I nursed her eight months and then it was time to move on. So I gave her some cereal, yet another era gone. When she was five, it was time to let go again. As I walked her to the school bus, she wore a huge grin. Oh God, please protect her. I cannot be there, but I trust you are with her and you'll keep her in your care. And as I was grinning also, though my heart broke in two, I watched my little girl learn to tie her own shoe. (laughs) Little by little, my girl needed me less as she picked up her clothes and she got herself dressed. A few months later, she lost her first tooth. I cried like a baby if you want to know the truth. This letting go test was a challenge indeed when she took the storybook from me and started to read. I blinked in an instant. I realized much time had passed as she went off to middle school. She was growing so fast. The letting go test intensified, I remember with dread, when I drove her to the DMV and she drove me home instead. Her face lit up with excitement as we handed her the keys and she drove off alone as I dropped to my knees. Oh God, please protect her. I cannot be there, but I trust you are with her and you'll keep her in your care. 
My prayers were more frequent, I really must confess, as she was gone more often now, and I saw her much less. My girl was growing up, and I was completely shook as she picked her favorite photos for her senior yearbook. And just a few months later, my girl turned 18, a young woman she was becoming now. What a sight to be seen. God, where did the time go? I began to pray as our family dressed up for graduation day. Oh, I might cry. I was there. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and you were dressing up too. Okay. She walked across the stage with her head held high. And as she took her diploma, I began to cry, of course. Um, but these tears were so different, more like tears of delight. My girl was a woman now and she was going to be all right. All the letting go tests that I'd had over the years helped me to let go, to trust God and release all my fears. The tests were sent by him to prepare my mom heart for the ultimate test when we'd begin to live apart. The day quickly approached and we loaded up the car. We drove her to college. It just seemed so far. We unloaded her things and we hugged her goodbye and I tried not to do it, but I couldn't help but cry. This letting go test was the hardest test yet. The drive home was long, one I'll never forget. But the sadness I feel is not the same as before. I feel such joy for her. There's so much in store. We taught her to love, to respect, and to learn, and to always put God first. There's no need for concern. Oh God, please protect her. I cannot be there, but I trust you are with her and you'll keep her in your care. Okay, there was nothing funny about that. Leslie, what was I talking about? I think that I, well, a different poem. <laughs> no, it's the same poem, but let me tell you what happened. Everybody laughed at it. At that's one part of it. Oh, Bev, she wants to cry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you cry. It was so powerful though. Like it was just like flew out of me. I just kept remembering times where I had to let go. And um, and it ended up being beautiful. And like the tears that I cried weren't sad as much as they were just proud, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it, in the first poem I wrote, this was a revised one. I just remembered why, because I used it again on my blog when my baby graduated mm. from high school. And, um, oh, thank you, Lori. Um, she said that was awesome. She has goosebumps. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, when I rewrote the poem for my baby and I took that one line out and it was talking about when the umbilical cord fell Ooh. off. I know that's why. <laughs> Yeah, me, you guys don't understand. Like, I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. thinking, oh, my gosh, it was the first it was the first, first wedding. You know, I changed <laughs> it to make it a whole lot better, um, which, you know, thankfully, but I forgot that I had changed it. So I apologize. But um, yeah, the the umbilical cord line had to come out because <laughs> everybody, everybody who uh, who heard it laughed at me. So, oh, you're so oh, sorry. Thank, Thank you. you. That's sweet. Yeah, that it's just from the heart. But anyway, that's part of letting go. Like, I think the reason I wanted to read that poem is because if you're a mom, you know exactly every letting go test that you've had prepared you. And I think about the story of Mary in the Bible when she had Jesus. There were many instances where it talked about how she pondered things in her heart um, as he was growing up and things that he would do. She pondered these things in her heart. And as moms, that's what we do. We ponder things in our heart so that when the ultimate letting go test comes and the change happens, we're ready. You know, we can let go and, and just be really assured that we've done everything we can to get our child ready. So anyway, that was, I digress. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. And now she's married. Yeah, she's married. She's 30. Uh, she just moved to, she's probably like, thanks mom for telling everybody how old I am. Um, but if that makes you feel like, well, I mean, that means I'm a whole lot older than that. So that, you know, don't worry stuff. Um, yeah, they just moved here to Utah. And yeah. so they've, they're going through change right now too. And I know it's been hard for both of them. They had to leave all their friends in Minnesota and now they're making new they friends. Left. They left their aunt Marie. It was just really stressful, but you know, it's part of life. And that one of the things that my girls said to me, they said, mom, thank you for always teaching us that it's okay to grieve when you have to change. We have moved a lot. We, you know, my husband's job, we moved, wasn't a big deal to me, but it was hard on the kids. They didn't grow up in the military like I did where we moved every two years, you know? Um, and so letting them kind of be sad about it was helpful. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, I was just thinking yesterday in our family is, is kind of crazy even here, but um, right now, Eloise, my granddaughter's best friend. So my, my daughter and Eloise's dad are divorced, but um, her best friend is 
her dad's girlfriend's daughter. Okay. And her, the, her dad's girlfriend is someone who played softball with Mandy when Mandy was like 10 years old. You're kidding me. No. And so I never had anything like no, that. No, you know? that's like weird. And we wanted it for our kids. And so now, um, yeah, this, this little girl's in our life who is the daughter of someone Mandy played softball with when she was 10 years old. So it's, um, there's none of that in our life. I know it's, it's a different yeah. perspective, but, um, it's really cool. I mean, I was like, wow. Yeah. I just thought of that yesterday. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Well, there are some, uh, John Maxwell actually wrote a book and we're going to go through these steps real quick or not. Well, I guess they're steps to change your life. Like if you're in the middle of a big transition, no matter what it is, or even if you're just still trying to get used to what's going on in the world, the world is changing. Like that's something that all of us are going through sort mm -hmm. of together. Um, but he wrote a book. Um, it only takes six steps to change your life. And uh, Marie, you want to talk about like the premise of the book a little bit? Well, I mean, people change because they have hope. And if people do not have hope, they won't change. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're responsible for how we react to things. And, um, and so he provides these six steps of, um, of how to change your life or, or the, st the six steps that it takes to change your life. Okay. And um, so the first one is when you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. So for me, what that means, and I'm not going to get political for those of you who know me. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I don't I'm know. Gonna, I don't I'm not going to get political. But no, I think sometimes it's important maybe to change the way you think. Maybe it's time to step back and look from a macro level and, and say, hmm, why do I believe this? Hmm. You know what I mean? Why, why do I do certain things the way I do them? Why do I buy Charmin? Well, my it's mom bought moment. Charmin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Why do yeah. I buy Crest? Because mom bought mom Crest. Did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and so sometimes for bigger issues, especially, um, you know, yeah. And, and really think about why you feel the way you feel about something and consider changing the way you believe. I heard a, a quote once that said the scene of the crime is in the mind. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's true. A lot of our, our you know, stinking thinking comes from the mind and it mm -hmm. just overflows into our behavior. And so there we go. Step two, when you change your beliefs, you can change your expectations. Okay. Belief is the knowledge that we can actually do something. It's that inner feeling that what we decide to do, we can actually accomplish. And for the most part, all of us have the ability to look at something and know whether or not we can do it, right? Mm -hmm. So in belief, there's power. Our eyes are opened, our opportunities, they become plain. Our visions become realities. Our beliefs control everything we do. So if we believe we can or we believe we can't, right, we're correct. So right. changing your beliefs so you can change your expectations for yourself. Yes. And when you change your expectations, step three, you change your attitude. Mm. And th this is a big one for me. So um, my friend gave me some advice years ago, and I don't know if I've ever covered this on the show before, but I'm going to do it again anyway. But um, I, I hold myself to a really high bar. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to, I don't anymore. Um, hold people to my expectation of how things should be done. Mm -hmm. And she said, you are going to be so miserable <laughs> if you keep holding people to your standard because your standard's really high. Not everybody's there. Maria, I heard a quote once that said, expectations are premeditated disappointments. Yep. And I love that. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, we're all different. We all have different values and morals and um, holding people to the way you are. Uh, you're just going to be disappointed all the time, even angry. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was complaining. And I think she was like, stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> stop holding everybody to, to your, your standard, standard because well, your standard is only yours. It's nobody else's. Well, you know, my daughter Peyton is here for the summer and she told me on the way here, cause we drove from South Carolina uh, to Utah. And she goes, mom, I expect Stephanie and Kennedy to come visit me every weekend. She said that. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, well, did you communicate that expectation? Because you're going to be really disappointed if you don't. And um, she goes, oh yeah, I guess I better do that. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. it, you know, you have to communicate 
your expectations to people. Yes. You can't, they're not mind readers. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and that's huge. So when you change your expectations, you change your attitude, which when you change your attitude, that's when the behavior changes. Yes. When your attitude begins to change, when we become involved with something, our behavior begins to change. The reason we have to make personal changes is that we cannot take our people on a trip that we have not made. We have to make that trip for ourselves. We have to be the one that go through it. There is something very powerful about going through something that uh, <clears throat> kind of gives you a voice of authority in a subject. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that I won't talk about because I don't know what it's like to go through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why we all have these these things that we go through anyway, so we can relate to other people. Um, yeah. Lori said she read something like, who hurt you? Me, my own expectations. That is so true. It is so, true. Yeah. And, and I, what- I, oh, I was going to say, and I think, um, yeah, we're just going to be disappointed all the time. You go, you go ahead. I think you were going to make a point. No, I mean, basically that's, that goes back to changing your attitude if you want your, and the way you change your attitude is your expectations get changed. And the way you change your expectations is by communicating them by, you know, be, recognizing that not everybody is going to be up to your standard right. and, um, and, and these changes are going to have to take place. So go well, ahead. It kind of goes back to what you were saying, because it's like, if we say we can't, right. we, won't. we won't. And I want you to, so years ago, I don't know why this happened. I decided that if there's something I want to do, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it took because I wasn't always like that. You know that. Yeah. And um, tell me I can't and I will. Do it. Yeah. That's kind of, I love problems. I love um, finding solutions for people. I, I That's why I love what I do. Right. And, yeah. and, um, and so anyway, um, I think sometimes we're, we're own, we're our own worst enemy because we are the ones that tell ourselves we can't do something versus, us just doing it. Yeah. Like, if if you want to do something, I mean, I'm not going to run a marathon tomorrow, but if I wanted to run a marathon, I would figure out a way to get there. Right. You know what I mean? I can't do it tomorrow, but I could do it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna. Right. <laughs> I'm never going to do that. I, I don't believe you will. Yeah, I, I believe you. I'm not going to go swim a 500 meter either. So okay. Um, so step four, just to recap, change your attitude, change your behavior. What's step five? So step five is when you change your behavior, you change your performance. Okay. And most people would rather live with old problems than new solutions. It's kind of like that. We've always done it that way. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just comfortable. Mm -hmm. We would rather be comfortable than correct. Mm -hmm. We would rather stay in our routine than make changes. Mm. Even when we know that the changes are going to be better for us, we often don't make them because we feel uncomfortable or awkward. And that's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. If it you, is. if you don't have the ability to take a risk, be vulnerable, swallow your pride. Up. Yep. Pride. Yeah. And get used to living um, with something that's not comfortable. We can't, mm-hmm. if we can't get used to that, we're never going to make any change or improve. Well, yeah. And, and to be honest, the change is going to come. It's just, are we going to go with it? Or are we going to yeah. let it pass us by? Yeah. You know, you, you can do that. You can just let life pass you by, but why? Why would you want to do that? You get one chance. We get one shot at this life. Like make the most of it. Okay. So step six, this is the final step. When you change your performance, you change your life. And I love that. So it's, it's a lot easier to turn failure into success than an excuse into a possibility. A person can fail, turn around and understand their failure and make it a success. Can I be real? Like a lot of people will look and say, oh, you've been on Survivor, you're on the radio, you wrote a book, you did these things. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know how many fails I had on the path to those successes. Those failures taught me how to keep going in spite of it. They taught me how to do it better next time. They taught me not to give up. More failure. Like I tried out for Survivor 11 times before they picked me, right? It didn't just fall into my lap. I'm not a lucky person. I had to work hard to do that. I have to work hard for the things in my life. And so, you know, when you understand that, you stop making excuses like, well, I'm just going to fail. Well, okay, so what? Try again. Mm -hmm. Don't let one failure define who you are. And, and, and that will change your life completely. Mm -hmm. And, and it's all about, it's a mindset. Um, But don't you just know, there are some people who have an excuse for everything. Well, it was so-and-so's fault. It was because I'm this, it's because that happened. It's, you know, well, I, I don't know. You can only change yourself. 
Yeah. I, I promise you, when you excuse what you're doing and excuse where you are and you allow the exceptions, you fail to reach your potential. It is impossible to turn excuses into possibilities. So kick the excuses to the curb. Think about why you can and 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 allow that change to happen. Change does not have to be bad. It can be very, very beneficial, but it is hard. There are hard yeah. things. Yeah. And, and let me just say, the hard is what makes it better mm-hmm. in our lives. You think about, it's like what like we, we talked about last week, how lifting weights, you know, actually breaks down the muscle. It makes it tear down. And, and then when it repairs, it's stronger. Mm-hmm. And every time we go through a change like this, it's going to make us a better person if we let it. We still have a choice. Yeah. Um, anyway. No, I agree. I feel so passionate today. What's wrong with me? I know. I was thinking the same thing. Sorry. I think- I think I just feel, uh, I feel bad when I see people and, you know, you, you want to make a change and you see a barrier and you're like, oh, well, yeah. You know what I mean? Instead uh, was of, a nice thought. So maybe the first change is figuring out how to overcome that barrier. Yeah. Not, yeah don't look at it as an obstacle. Right. Look at it as an opportunity. Right. Very different. Yeah. And, and change, usually people look at it as an obstacle mm-hmm. and it's not, it's an opportunity to learn and grow and, and just become a better human. So don't be afraid if you're faced with a change, which I think all of us are right now. I think what's going on in our country, what's going on in the world can make us all better if we just take it by the horns and just say, okay, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to, I'm going to let things fall off as they will and, and just be positive about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Am I being Pollyanna again? (laughs) It's okay. It's It's okay to be a Pollyanna. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Somebody has to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, we, um, we will have these notes uh, on our website. So if you want to come back and look at these and kind of mull them over a little more, um, they'll be there. It's midlifemadnesspodcast.com. And um, of course it'll be later today. So don't go there right now. It's not there yet. Um, And we just want to say thank you for joining us, for hanging out with us today. We always enjoy being with you. Um, every time we go live, anytime we do a recording, we just, we love that, that you're a part of our community and, um, we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to, you know, send us a message on Facebook, you can also, um, send us an email. It's midlife madness podcast at gmail.com. Um, or, uh, you know, if you want to leave a, a review either on iTunes or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever place you listen to, the podcast. If you want to leave a review, if you want to leave it on Facebook, we would love for that because we're trying to build the community. We we know we can't do that without you. Tell your friends to to listen if you enjoy it. If you don't, please don't tell them not to listen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you do like listening to us, then you know add us to your favorite podcast subscription, and and um, then we'll be there every week. So it helps us to build the community. Nancy had something to say. She said. That was beautiful, Leslie. I retired in August last year after being a cook's helper for 15 years at the school. I missed the work, my coworkers, and the kids for the first six months. I was able to spend more quality time with two of our five grandkids, which helped me through. I went through depression off and on for the last two years and reached out to counseling. I knew I needed help. I learned tapping, and it also helps. Okay. 12 deaths of love. Oh, girl. Yeah. There was a lot of, she's part of my family. <clears throat> And there was, we had a lot last year. Mm, That's so hard, man. That's some change. That's change. That is so sad. And Kathy says, you are my favorite podcast. We love you so much. We weren't funny. We weren't that funny today. Yeah, to me, it wasn't funny. I mean, I think, you know, we're light about things, but we, here's the thing that we want. We want those of you who are part of this community to make the most of your life. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, in midlife. I think a lot of people think I'm in midlife. Okay, so now it's going to start to wind down. I think it winds up. I think there's so much opportunity at this point in our lives if we can just see it for opportunity instead of obstacles. So that's why we wanted to talk about what we talked about today. And we hope you got something from it. Um, but yeah, you're the best. You're the best watchers, listeners, um, viewers that exist in the whole entire world. And we thank you for that. So. <laughs> Marie's like, okay. Yeah, that little Pollyanna. Well, yeah, I, I can't help it. I'm a very positive person. Oh, I tell you, and, and can I just say real quick, being a positive person is really hard in today's world. 
And I am still, I'm still adamant, Marie. We need to probably maybe even next week talk about this road rage. Because as Pollyanna as I am, I am still struggling with bad words coming out of my mouth on the road. And I think it's because I am a very positive person. And that's like an opportunity for me to just like not be positive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And let's talk about I I have so many things I want to say about that, but I'm not going to. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. That's going to be our topic. Do you like that? Is that good? Uh, Yeah, I like it. Okay. I like it. We can have fun with it too, but I will. uh, Yeah. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm going to, I have all kinds of thoughts going through my head. So Lori said, I love laughing with you too. However, I really needed today's topic. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. That makes me happy. We did too. (laughs) Oh, is Mandy here? Is Mandy watching? Nancy said she Oh, she must be. I don't know. Hello, darling. I love you. (laughs) I love you, Mandy. Anyway. Um, okay. okay, so we leave you with this. And usually I write something quirky right here, but I'm going to read a quote instead today. Mm-hmm. And it, I know this is a, a name that I've never heard before, but it's C. Joy Bell C. We can't be afraid of change. You may feel secure in the pond that you're in, but if you never venture out of it, you will never know that there is such a thing as an ocean. Hmm. Holding on to something that is good for you now may be the very reason why you don't have something better. Mm. I love that. That is such a great thing. I love it. So everybody this week, your homework. Don't don't you love that I give them homework? They probably hate that. Don't turn it in. So that's a good thing. Oh, somebody put an angry face on our reactions. I'm sorry if we made you sad or angry. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe I'm sure it was just an accident. It was probably just a, they meant to say heart. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Not everybody's going to like us. It's okay. Yeah, I know. It's okay. We love you anyway. Um, but your homework this week is if you're facing a change in your life, embrace it. Don't look at it as an obstacle. Try to see what the opportunities are that can come from it and enjoy every moment because guess what, friends? That's life. Yeah. And remember that you are enough right where you are. We can't wait to talk to you next week about road rage. Woohoo! That's going to be a fun topic. In the meantime, if you struggle with it, we want to hear about it. So leave us some stuff on our Facebook page. We'll we'll actually put a post on there and have you, because we want to hear from you too. We haven't done that in a while. Reading listener comments are always fun. So have a great week and um, we'll see you on Facebook throughout the week and definitely next Monday.